I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. I'm Georgia Down, I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk, where psychology meets technology. And we deal with Facebook and nope, Microsoft. Nope, nope. Oh, Meta. 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 That's never gonna work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Meta. And who? You're trying to make you're trying to make it a thing. It's not a thing. And Google and Apple and Amazon and all the other fabulous. Magma. Yes, Netflix. You Magma. Know. Yep. Yeah, all the companies. And yeah, you bring up Netflix, and that's really interesting because there was this Twitter thread recently that went through the psychology of the Netflix thumbnail. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but not just on Netflix, but a lot of the entertainment uh, channels, the posters, the thumbnails change a lot now. They do, they do, and they're waiting to see what grabs our attention. So at first, I thought they were trying to trick me by swapping it out so I think it was something new and then I click on it. But it's, that it's, can happen it's, too. it's more devious than that. Yes. And I thought it'd be fun because we've talked before about clickbait on YouTube and how thumbnails work in the psychology, but this is a really good broken down thread about Netflix's research into the, the same area. So I'm gonna go through this and sort of ask you if it's true, okay. why it's true, okay. and then like if if if, Netflix, if YouTube works in, the, in a similar way. Fair. All right. So first off, a Netflix user will browse the app for 90 seconds and then leave if we find nothing. Yes. Well, we okay. So let's just say it. Our attention spans are infinitely short, and we are looking for something that will give us that immediate gratification. So yes, if. Like, let's be honest, our, our, like even if you're on a video and there's like too much beginning of the video, people are done. I'm like, I was wanting to find out why cats will kill you and now I'm in 30 seconds in and you have not already told me, I might even click that closed. So 90 seconds I think is a fair amount of time for us to search for something and if not, we are going to move on to another app. Now is this new or is this, because like, Previously, we had no choice. We would be in like back in World War II reporters are coming back from the lady, the, the lads in the field, and telling, and like everything was very slow paced. There were radio dramas, but now it's the TikTok generation. We're like a, a minute long video can seem an eternity. Yes, and we're okay. So all of these applications are vying for our attention. They're trying to fight for us to stay there. But are they modifying and it? Are they reducing our attention span? Okay, so our attention span is already getting slower because we have more things that are immediate and okay. we're getting used, so, okay. So dopamine is that re reward neuron, it's a heck of a drug. neurotransmitter. <laughs> and we want more of it faster. We'll yeah. always want more of it faster. So whatever gives us the most amount of dopamine for the least amount of effort is where we are going to head towards. Okay. So when we start feeding that mechanism in our brain of getting things immediately, we want to get things immediately more often. That's why people that play video games can often mm -hmm. be frustrated with real life because real life is slow and tedious and often boring. You can't skip the cutscenes. You can't. In real life. And then it slows down our pace and we're like, where is our dopamine? Yeah. So yes, our attention spans are getting smaller. That means that we want things faster, we get bored more quickly, we get frustrated oh, more Oh, so here's quickly. a question. Are our attention spans getting shorter or are there things that are better at capturing our attention now? Both. Ooh. Both. So, mutual friend of the show, Nando, you were in his uh, latest movie, Mighty Marvel movie team up. Yeah. Uh, where I forget, which movie did you do again? Oh, I did. Hannibal Lecter. Yes, yeah. Hannibal. Uh, Silence I did of the Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Um, so, uh, Nando, he did this video about Artemis Fowl, which was this, this famous book that they turned into a Disney movie, but in the entire first half of the movie, because of the pandemic, they couldn't release it in theaters. It went straight to streaming, and you don't actually see anybody talk on air 
like on the movie, you don't see anyone's mouth moving for the first half of the movie, and he couldn't figure out why. But after quite a while, uh, he came to the conclusion or he discovered the evidence to show that Disney didn't believe that we would sit through a movie on a TV the same way we would in a movie theater. Like in the movie theater, we'd pay our ticket price and they could set up an anti-hero and show a redemption arc. Like they could make an unlikable character like Artemis Fowl, who's like a super evil genius, and we could learn to love him over the course of the movie. But they feared that if they did that in the streaming version, we would just click off, like, I hate this kid, and just click off immediately. So they rewrote the entire first half of the movie to make him more likable immediately. Now, you see, it, I don't know how accurate that is to our human psychology because there are characters that we love to hate and we are intrigued by their journey just as we are characters that we love. And so someone that we love, we can be bored by, and someone that we hate, we can be excited by, depending on what happens. We're, we want to be captured, hooked, which should happen at the beginning part of the movie, or we should already know that something cool is gonna happen. So that's why a lot of movies have this really awesome action scene of, you know, this is gonna be your payback, and then let's find out what happens to get there because that's gonna be slow paced, because we have no attention span. So it goes on saying, thumbnail artwork is actually Netflix's most effective lever to influence a viewer's choice. A user will look at one for only 1.8 seconds, so Netflix spends huge amounts of time to optimize them. 1.8 seconds. Well, we're flicking through them. I, I know that what I'm looking for, like the title tells you nothing. And an image, you want it to be gripping to you. And so I'm into, say, grungy, post-apocalyptic... Um, you are. I am. Dark... Um, you know, dramas where I'm gonna watch a journey between characters that I love. I enjoy that, because I enjoy being submerged into that kind of a world. So I'm not into kind of the love story, romantic comedy type of things. So if the colors are really grungy and dark and there's whatever, crows and eyeballs falling <laughs> out and it looks like desolation and you know, whatever, the robot apocalypse, I might I click so that. Much because I'm intrigued by that, versus if it's all sunny and roses or the people's faces look stupid, so I think that it's gonna be like some sort of, yeah. you know, comedy that's- Comedy that's, of errors. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna look at it. So I think that they're accurate. Yeah, so what I've learned on YouTube, through my own behavior and through what you know, YouTube has revealed, is that uh, when you're, and this might apply to Netflix as well, um, actually I'm pretty sure it does because sometimes the, t the thumbnails don't load fast enough or the titles don't load fast enough, you can't tell what it is. Right. But I, like, it's the thumbnail that stops me. Like if I'm just, if I'm uh, swiping on my phone or I'm scanning across a computer screen, the thumbnail is what stops my eye from moving. Right. And then I'll read the title. But a title by yes. itself is too small and too complex for me to, like, to just glance at. It's not digestible yeah. instantly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to have a thumbnail that, that I feel something about. Yeah. yeah. So, spoiler alert is what they're saying. Humans are visual animals. Our eyes move three to four times per second to process information, and we can analyze an image in as little as 13 milliseconds. Yes. So in 2014, Netflix consumer research showed that thumbnail artwork is the biggest influencer to watch content, is the focus of 82% of browsing time. A user looks at one for only 1.38 seconds, like we said, and if they can't find something on Netflix in 90 seconds, they'll leave. So consequently, Netflix uses an elaborate thumbnail selection process for each of its 200 million plus users. The process is called aesthetic visual analysis, and it starts by pulling all the frames. So let's take every frame from the video. So an episode of Stranger Things, has 86,000 frames. 
And then they start doing frame annotation. So they look for a saliency, which is like how relevant that frame is to the content, the frame number, the brightness and contrast, because one of the best, biggest lessons I ever learned in art class, my teacher would take our artwork and move like 10 or 20 feet away and ask us if it still looked identifiable. And if you don't have good contrast, good shapes, like good structure, it just becomes like a mess. You can't discern it anymore. And thumbnails have that that same sort of an issue. Like you, so you've got to have an image that people can see even when it's small on your phone or when it's with 30 other images. And then you know, they, of course they remove nudity and you know face and skin tones. And then the frames are graded on these variables. Visual, which is brightness, contrast, color, and motion blur. Contextual, which is face detection and shot angle and composition. And the crux of all this is the winning traits for Netflix, the things that make Netflix use as a thumbnail are expressive faces, the main characters, ones we can identify, and the brightness. Yeah, I think that that's good. I think that the um, main characters and feeling an emotion, something that grips us into what we want to be a part of in the show, is really important. More so, like you, it, you have to be. It has to be legible, so you have to be able to understand it. But I think that that's what humans are drawn to. We have a part of our brain that is specifically for face detection. Yeah. That's how important faces are for us. And so when we do thumbnails with us being like oh, shocked or like upset, it's because people stop. There's an yes. emotion, there's danger, there's someone that's upset. And our brain triggers to danger or anxiety or anger. It actually stops us. We freeze when we see that versus if everything is okay and we're just you're our passive, brain yeah. doesn't do anything. It's like, oh, that's that's safety. Yeah. So I don't need to pay attention to that. And so that's why a lot of the most popular thumbnails are ridiculous and stupid. I'm sorry, but you click it. Yes. Um. So I'm sorry, but that's why we cling to that because those expressions hold our attention. And then if it holds our attention long enough, we can read the text that is on it and then we might click it. But there are some thumbnails that are so good, you will click them without even knowing what the video yes. is about. Yeah, yeah, some are super compelling. And the way I've heard it phrased also is that um, you, you want a thumbnail to appeal to multiple audiences. So for example, like if I'm doing a tech uh, review or you're doing a reaction to a show, like if you're talking about Dune, you wanna have something very easy to understand that it's Dune you're talking about. Yes. Because then people who are into Dune are gonna feel an affinity for that thumbnail. If I'm talking about an iPhone or a MacBook, I want the iPhone or the MacBook in there because then people who like iPhones and MacBooks must, might click. But that's only one thing, that's one element. If I put like, my face in it, or you put your face in it, then people who are familiar with our videos will identify us. Or people who see our reaction will get an emotional context to go with the physical one. Like, were you scared by Dune? Were you surprised by it? Were you happy? Were you angry? Were you sad? Like, one of, one of those things, and then they'll get additional context. And the, if you can give people two or three reasons to click on a thumbnail, it's way better than one. Exactly. So, this one was interesting to me. This one I was really interesting. Also, thumbnails with villainous characters outperform. Netflix says bad guy thumbnails, like for dragons, Race to the Edge, are the most clicked. So, because that is danger, and that's suspense, and that's what's going to happen with this. And usually the, the good guys look sweet and peaceful and caring, but that's not compelling to us, because that's sweet and caring. But a villain, someone that's bad, is usually they look creepy or scary yeah. and that catches our attention that 
frightens us. That actually pulls upon the amygdala in our brain, the part that senses danger. And it says, whoa, be careful. And so that gives us extra time. And then we're compelled, we're frozen, we're paying attention to it, and odds are we're clicking. Yeah, it's really interesting too because- And dragons. Uh, yeah, well, but I think dragons. often the villains are also extravagant. Like if you look at Batman versus the Joker, the Joker is much more visual. Like the black, like the Dark Knight is like this black shadowy form, but the Joker is like bright green, bright white, you know, bright red lipstick, all of these things. And it's not always the case, but it's often the case that the villains are very The villains flamboyant. are more interesting, yeah. let's just say. Usually the villains are more interesting than the good guys. Not always but usually, and they're often more popular. Like, not like they're loved more, but love and hate is very yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah. So one last finding, although it does go on, so this is like a fake one last finding. Netflix discovered that thumbnails with more than three, more than three people vastly underperform. And we've had examples of this too. Like in some of your videos, the initial Suicide Squad, when we had almost the whole Suicide Squad, and then we reduced it. And for the uh, Squid Game, Squid Game, not games, I said game, noted for the record, Squid Game, uh, we had a bunch of the guards in the first thumbnail and then reduced it to like one or two and yes. it did way better. Yes, yeah, so when, when you're looking at it and depending on if you're scrolling on your phone or on your computer or on your TV, the size of it is different. And so you can't really, our brain sees it as a chunk. Yeah. And so we're not gripping hold of who this is. It's just a mob. And groups of people in our brain just kind of go into groups of people. Whereas if you see one person, we're paying attention to who is this person. And we end up having like, they, they talk about like the great grandma neuron, like that this fires for this specific person. And so if we've spent a lot of time and have an affinity towards someone, that will increase the chance that it'll fire then versus a group of people where you see a group and then you have to scan for yeah. the person that you want. I'm sorry, in 1.3 seconds, that is way too long. We've already moved on before it's even yeah. happened. So it's better to have less. Less is more in this case. And they said this is why Netflix started making their own thumbnails because what they use Grey's Anatomy as an example where the studio artwork has every character on the box yes. and they reduced it to just Meredith, you know, for yes. example. Yes. Um, they also said like, they're also doing these things where, now we can't do this on, on YouTube, we can change our thumbnail, but we can only have one thumbnail at a time. Right. But because Netflix can do whatever they want, it's Netflix, they actually started making different thumbnails for different audiences. Which is such a good based, idea. It, like, I would love, for example, I would love for uh, YouTube to let me upload two thumbnails. For example, let's say I'm doing an iPhone review. One thumbnail would be me holding up the iPhone, and the other thumbnail would be just a really nice picture of the iPhone. And it would say, if these, if the, if we're suggesting this to somebody who's watched Renee Ritchie videos in the last three months, yes. use the Renee Ritchie thumbnail. Yes. If we're suggesting it to people who've watched videos about iPhones but don't know Renee's channel, use yes. the iPhone thing. Yes, people that want Renee versus yes. people that want the iPhone. And then A/B test them and see which ones do better, and then start biasing towards the towards ones that do better. Towards whichever one you would rather like. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And there are like third-party utilities, like TubeBuddy will do it, but it's like a very barbaric, like a brute force approach where it'll it'll just go through and change it every once in a while and try to keep track. But it's, YouTube, like even they even beta tested this and they didn't roll it out, thumbnail A-B testing. But I would love more than just A-B testing. I would love this multiple thumbnail capability. Yes. Um, like for example, you could have one that was just a Dune poster. Yeah. And then you could have one that's you in, like you did really good makeup. Thank you. It was, it was Part Mentat, part Bene Gesserit or yes. all? Yes, yes. The only thing, I, I took it from one of Jessica's pictures oh, in the yeah, poster. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I didn't have was the writing on her face, which was in the poster, which I thought was really, really you cool. You can't write Fremen? 
Yeah, no, I don't. I can't. You can't write. It has to be photoshopped and superimposed oh. upon it. But yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's the same thing. I think that would be terrific. So if you're if you're watching, yeah, um, YouTube, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so at the most basic level, Netflix applies machine learning to select the thumbnail for you based on recent watch history. Take Goodwill Hunting as an example. If you are a rom-com watcher, you get the top thumbnail, which is a very romantic picture of the couple together and everything, where comedy fans get the bottom thumbnail, which is Robin Williams, which are very different thumbnails. Yes, but they're different aspects of the movie, and movies do the same thing. They release different types of trailers that give you a different feeling, um, which can be a little bit misguiding towards what's actually in the movie, where you might think something is a monster film and it's really actually a love story. And so that can cause people to feel a little bit disjointed, like thumbnails that are too far away from what the truth is inside yeah. of the video or on the show can actually make people feel animosity, like they've been baited and yes. switched yes. upon. So you need something that is accurate-ish, but gives different aspects of what's in the show. Yeah, I think that's interesting because a lot of people have, have been trained by Reddit now to just yell clickbait about anything. But clickbait isn't something that's interesting and makes you click. That's click-worthy. You know, that's something that's just intriguing. That's what newspaper headlines have been using for years. Clickbait is clickbait and switch, where it promises you something and then it gives you something else. Like you've been literally tricked. So like, you want intriguing, the world would be so boring. We want, there was this one guy on one of the Reddits who basically was arguing that you shouldn't do anything other than make a plain black thumbnail that said the word video number with the thing on it, and that should be your title. Okay, so he's wanting it to be like an equity among everything else. I'm sorry, if you have good thumbnail game, you get more clicks, good for yes. you. I want to be entertained. This is entertainment. This is not a meritocracy where everyone should have equal footing and it's just going to say that. Uh, I'm sorry, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You're better at thumbnails, you're probably going to get more clicks a little bit more faster and then once you get really, really big, you could just have a blank black screen and it will no longer matter. <laughs> yeah, I, may, I mean maybe. So like what they've shown really works on YouTube is like the, the simple thing, like your face and then the thing you're talking about. And sometimes if you need it, like a little red arrow or a red circle to draw attention on it, Mark Robert was really good at that. He did that video on uh, the devil's toothpaste, which was bigger than elephant's toothpaste, and it took up the entire frame. There was a little dot on the bottom, and there was an arrow saying me, just to show the scale of yes. like, and then people like, what? I gotta see that, you know, exactly. because they wanna, and that's the sort of thing that's really good. But. Um, some people who are super famous, like if, if you have just like Casey Neistat in a thumbnail or Jimmy Donaldson, Mr. Beast in a thumbnail, that's so recognizable for people. But still, there's some people that do not know, you know, uh, Mark Roper. And so yes. even with them in a thumbnail, a good thumbnail will still gather more people to it because not everyone knows everyone. Well, that's a really good point. Like, I forget what the statistic was, but th there are enormous YouTubers. I forget her name now. Lee Lee Chi Chi? I forget, but she does those rural beautiful, Chinese beautiful. videos yeah. where she like does everything from scratch. She cooks, she and builds. she's dressed beautifully. And she has tens of millions of subscribers and billions of views, but a lot of people outside you know, outside Asian countries don't know that she don't, exists. Yes, exactly. But you might have seen her video yeah. just because a beautifully dressed woman who's getting, you know, making kimchi by hand, um, going out there, cutting it, and yeah. it's so, the entire video is so It's like a meditation. It's yeah, yeah, she had it all on her iMac, it's amazing. Well, amazing. She used it, yeah, and there's so many channels, like, like when you actually look at the top YouTube channels, most of them would be, like, they look like a mixture of station IDs and like uh, serial numbers to me sometimes, because they're all like, they, some of them represent big brands in other countries and things, right. but like there's, 
YouTube is such a vast world and you'll still see people like uh, like like Mr. Beast optimizing their even though they're well known optimizing their thumbnails to the extreme like moving things by a few pixels to make it more like understandable and sometimes they won't even be in their thumbnails like some of them was uh, handing a credit card to a child yes. you know like him in there would just diminish from that the excitement is seeing a ki what the kid's going to do with a credit card right that sort of thing so right. i find the whole topic fascinating here are the different netflix thumbnail selections for pulp fiction uma thurman fans get the top thumbnail which is uma thurman you know with her straight black hair the very famous poster while don travolta fans get the picture of him dancing now also, I think that it's important to know that, yes, they're checking out what you click on it beforehand yeah. and gathering all that information. So depending on what you click, you're going to be getting more of this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you are what you click. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we complain a lot about this, like the news that we get and the videos that we get. But you it literally is you are what you click now. And the thing is, in the old days, we could lie to ourselves. When the Nielsen's were those little journals, you could watch TMZ and write down PBS. Yes. You know, you could say, oh, I subscribe Which to... Which was something that they found out that actually happened. All the time. The that was the truth, is that a lot of people were saying that they watched more PBS than they yes. actually did because people were embarrassed that they were watching, you know, Jerry Springer or Maury um, instead for yep. vast amounts of time. So they were underplaying certain shows and overplaying other shows that they felt were more academic. Yeah, so. and the same thing with magazines. They would say town and country, but they would be reading all the all the inquirers at the right because like and now like you can't escape it. And like some people are salty that there's like a lot of creators are salty that subscriptions don't matter that much anymore. But it turns out people subscribe for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's to see more videos. Other times they feel like it's just a thumbs up, like a, 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 a high five. I'm yeah. gonna support you. Yeah, or it, you know they just do it and they they change interest after, or you answer their question at some point. And YouTube discovered that if they prioritize subscriptions we watch less videos if they prioritize based on our watch list like the actual if you go into YouTube and you haven't turned everything off you'll see a list of all the videos you've watched and everything in there determines the videos that are recommended to you and if you take something out of there those style of videos will no longer be recommended to you it's kind of interesting because I don't love being advertised to I don't like having personalized advertisements though I will say sometimes it it does work they show you yeah. shiny things. I'm like, oh yes, those shoes are amazing. Thank you. Um, but on things like Etsy and on YouTube, it works and I find it effective to get me more stuff like the stuff that I yeah. have. The same thing for Amazon. They show you more like recommended to you by your browsing history and they have more of that. And I'm like, oh yes, those are other sparkly things that I am interested in. And so I appreciate it because it feeds my dopamine center faster. Now, Thank you. Now, YouTube did have to make an adjustment because in the very beginning it was subscription based and then it was click and watch time based and people started doing all sorts of like, they put like a bikini person right in the middle frame where YouTube pulled the thumbnail from, even though it had nothing to do with the video or they'd make very long, like they were trying to game the system. Um, but then also if they recommended purely based on your watch time, this they'd be famously like uh, radicalizing. Like you'd pick a video on a science subject, but then it would start suggesting like, a few conspiracy type videos and you'd say, what is that? And you'd click on it. And then eventually it would be like a full funnel, like of conspiracy videos. Yes. Like I remember I was just looking at the Marianas Trench and I got a week's worth of Megalodon conspiracies. Well, the, the, the interesting thing for me is that I, as work, I deal with fears and phobias. So I will, you know, go through different stages of having to help someone. So I, whatever, if they have a blood phobia, I'll be doing, you know, just 
pictures and then I'll do gifts that are cartoons and I'll do gifts that are real people and then I'll do videos. Um, starting with cartoons, moving up. That means that my, then my YouTube suggestions yeah. are like a whole bunch of like vomit videos. And I'm like, like I wanted you the vomit videos. You can't do that on your account. I know, but it, I don't have the time to always just, switch, log just out. Just go to incognito I, or, or private browsing. I could, but I usually have not thought that far okay. ahead of it until after when I'm like, why am I getting all these yeah, vomit videos? Yeah, go delete videos? those from your watch history. Yeah, well, now there's just, there's so many of them. I have a whole bunch of cats vomiting to techno oh. punk. It's actually kind of funny. No, no. Kind of uh, I'm going to be like, what's his name on uh, on um, Ted Lasso? No. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. No. Um, unsurprisingly, Netflix also A-B tests the thumbnails it shows to users and the artwork is constantly changing. So they had default artwork for this one video, then an artwork that was 14% better and artwork that was 9% better. And that might not sound like much, but when you're talking about click-through rate, so you have impressions and click-through rate and YouTube and Netflix work the same. Impressions mean they show your thumbnail on the screen during a browsing session. So you go to the Netflix homepage, the YouTube homepage, whatever, and you see that thumbnail. Now, if you click on it, that's the click-through rate. So maybe a video gets a million impressions. A million people get shown it on their homepage. How many of those click on it determines a click-through rate. The higher the click-through rate, the more likely they're gonna keep showing it because it's proving popular. And the lower the click-through rate, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna get beaten by something else. It's always a competition for attention. So even like 14% is huge, that's a huge difference. That's a million people. 14% is 14% of a million, what is it, 140,000? I don't know, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. So that's one of the reasons why like you'll adjust the thumbnail because it's not yes, getting the click through. It's not, yeah. A less harmless example of thumbnail optimization is showcasing trending actors or actresses. So if someone like takes off, if someone's in a really popular movie, they'll go back and alter the thumbnails for projects that they may not have been as important in before or yes. showcased as much. Yes. And suddenly they'll be everywhere on those older movies yes, or TV shows. exactly. You didn't even know that they were in the movie and then suddenly they're in the middle of the thumbnail because they become popular when they were not popular when the movie first came out. Yeah, so this is just, that, that's the crux of the whole article, but it really resonates with me, and I'm sure with you, because this is sort of like what we live and die with on YouTube all yes. the time. Yes, um, And it, it makes the kind of sense that does, because you have just such a, a short amount of time to capture attention. And you're, you're just, that's what you're trying to do, is you're trying to garner views. So Netflix is doing it and YouTube is doing it, but also all the creators are trying to do exactly the same thing without a huge algorithm to be able to know how to optimize it best. We're kind of shooting in the dark and we're like, oh, this one worked out really well. Why did it work out really well? Maybe let's change this. Let's make the title a little bit more generic or then let's make the title a little bit more specific. Yeah. And it's hard to always know. I've, I had one person once get really angry at me because my thumbnail, the the facial expression that I used in the thumbnail was not actually in the video. Now, I usually like clip like the thumbnails beforehand. So like I've already done a whole bunch of facial features that are in there. So no, they're not exactly always no. the same, but I'm not saying I'm crying and then not crying in the video. That would anger oh, me. Oh, I cry. That's just the, that, that's yeah, just the thumbnail that would, title. That would work. People want yeah. to see people crying. Um, Apolo or just apology. I think Devin did that once. He just put sorry at the bottom of the video. But yeah, like well, Avengers famously, for Avengers Infinity Game, they made whole CGI scenes to hide the plot. Like the Hulk, the, the Hulk yes. is not in the, in the end of the movie, yes. but they have the Hulk running with them at the end of the movie because they yes. didn't want to spoil the fact that he isn't in the Which end of the I movie. Actually I like that. I like that. I like to not have, I, I hate when I've watched a preview and then I, I know everything that's happened in the movie. So like the Dune trailer yeah. has a scene that Paul Atreides is not saying 
any of these things about what he's saying it in the actual movie and because I did the trailer and then I did the movie I knew both of that and I was I was like this was totally changed but it would have given us more information that we needed to know and so I appreciate yeah. it when they're doing it to keep our excitement and enjoyment because in the end this is entertainment yeah no absolutely and there's there was a discussion going on recently about um, like, like how you like you can manipulate people even with the titles, and we see this a lot in technology, especially now. Whenever Apple or another big product comes out, there is a slew, a plethora, and I am just as guilty of this, but I've been reevaluating it lately. Of of uh, titles that try to anxiety, like there's a curiosity gap, and the curiosity gap is meant to have a title which makes you think you don't know something, and you become that you curious, need to know. and you want to find out what it is. Yes. But there's different ways of doing it. Like there's a knowledge gap, which implies there's information you don't have. But yes. there's also an anxiety gap, yes. which people have been using famously, like don't make a mistake. iPhone 13 versus iPhone 12, don't make a mistake. Um, MacBook, you know, 14 inch versus 16 inch, don't make a mistake. Yes, because and that plays on our fear of failure. We don't want to fail. We, we don't want to do yeah. something improperly. And so because of that, we want and we, we like to have insider knowledge. That makes us feel superior to others. So those two pieces placed together increase the chance that you're going to want to click on something. But it's gotten to the point where like even on like the same channel sometimes, there's eight videos in a row like don't buy the 14 inch MacBook Pro. Don't buy the 16 inch MacBook Pro. I made a mistake, 14 inch MacBook Pro. I made a mistake, 16 inch MacBook Pro. But we also like that though. We like someone else making a mistake so that we again can feel better about ourselves. It's like watching Jerry Springer and Maury Povich is that you would watch these shows where people are doing things and you're like, that is a train wreck. So my life is actually pretty good. I'm feeling better about myself because look at this horrible thing that someone else did. And it makes me feel smart and good and intelligent. So we actually like when yeah. other people have made mistakes and we want to watch that humiliation play out in front of us so that when we do something that's humiliating and horrible, we don't feel as we bad. We feel better than them. Yes. Yeah, I just, I worry that like if you, there's, there's, you can play YouTube to get views, but YouTube is increasingly shifting from views to satisfaction. Like they don't want people to just watch. They want people to have satisfying experiences. Like people will rage watch or a despair watch or doom watch videos as well, but they don't feel good afterwards and it affects their time on the platform, which is not to YouTube's liking. Though if you're so upset and so angry and you think that you have a mission, we'll stay. Because now I have a mission to be able to, you know, get this person and see them be sacrificed upon the altar and I want that. Yeah, well this is, this is negatively affecting their watch time. So they're doing surveys and asking people how they feel and they're also looking for entry and exit points. And I do wonder like if you want views, I think the anxiety gap works really well because people who are interested in buying it will look at it and, and you know, probably read it because it'll, it'll, it'll attract that negative attention from them. But I think if you're trying to build audience, it's not as, as good a strategy because if someone wants to watch a bunch of your videos, they'll quickly see that it's five of these videos in a stack. Right. And, and it's not, it's, it's, it sort of breaks the illusion. Right. It makes it look like, oh, you're like, you're- It's not real. Yeah, you you're just manipulating keep on, me. Exactly. And then we have animosity towards it yeah. because now you're playing me for a fool. People don't like to be played with. So I think, 
um, previously you wanted to get views, and I think now, like it depends, like if you're just using YouTube for artistic expression or as like a, a storage place for your videos and you don't care about audience, I think that's fine. Um, or if you're entirely like a buyer's guide site and you don't think anybody's ever gonna come back after they, like you're just like, they search for a video, they watch that video and that's all you care about. But I think the, the real value is building an audience that will like uh, grow, you know, grow your channel. Yes, um, you've it's, got, it's your people. Yeah. To build your tribe that will continue and watch you and support you, that matters most. I have some people that watch every single video that I make and they comment and that means yeah so much because I know that I have my my tribe, my people that are supporting, and that's really what you yeah. want to grow. You want to grow a community. For a, a healthy channel, you want to be able to create that feeling of community where you are. Yeah, and there, like previously also, I think, it also, it's a, it also plays the old game where YouTube is an algorithm, and you can still game the algorithm. Like, it still works, you can still do that, but the algorithm's job is to follow the audience. So if you build the audience, like it's almost like if you game the, the algorithm, if, you, if you're playing for views, you're gonna be stuck in a hamster wheel making commodity content over and over again, never able to stop because your views will disappear the minute you do. Whereas if you build the audience, the algorithm will follow the audience. Like if you give audience, if you build an audience you love, which is important because if you don't love what you're doing, you're not gonna be able to keep doing it. But if you build an audience, like if there's something you love and you can build an audience around that and you give them more things to love, uh, I think that 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 doesn't push the views, sort of pulls them at that point. Yeah. Yeah, So, and I also think it's more, it's just healthier for creators. I think it's my thing because I felt for a while I was getting trapped in almost like the desperation view game. Like, oh, my views are I've gotta do something to goose those views back up. And now I just look at it like, oh, there's seasonality. There's competition in tech. There's competition between tech and politics and entertainment and spectacle. And then there's competition between YouTube and Netflix and TikTok. So I don't take it as personally and I try to have like a longer view of it. I think that's nice. I'm just, I'm, my channel's so new that I'm just trying to do things that I love and hopefully build it up and slowly over time, it will continue to build. So that's it. If you build it, they will come. But you're still very conscientious. Like you try to get, like you take a lot of the feedback that they give you, what they want to see and what they Yes, I, I care about doing it and I want to make people happy. And that kind of is what feeds my dopamine is when someone's like, this meant so much to me, I, that matters to me. So um, that keeps me going. So what, what is your, what is your takeaway from this Netflix thing? Is this what you expected it to be? Did you expect, like, I know you expected the psychology to work this way, but did you yeah. think that Netflix was going to this level with the psychology? I didn't, I didn't really think about it because, um, like, I, I think that I knew it passively, but not actively because I see different thumbnails and I know certain ones catch me and YouTube, uh, and Netflix has some really compelling thumbnails yeah. and there's, it's true that I'll have like a show that I did not click. And then I see a thumbnail I want to now click it. I'm like, oh wait, I saw that for another one and I didn't want to watch it. And now I do want to watch it. But I don't think that I knew that they were doing that as actively as say Facebook and TikTok were taking a look at the algorithm and actually using it. And again, I don't mind because I want to watch good content. Yeah, and the, one of the ones that I used to rage click, um, and I'll, I'll fess up to this is, there are like a lot of, I watch a lot of movie channels and I love like when movies are coming out and I watch the trailers and YouTube has sort of two trailer problems with me. First is they'll often promote people who just downloaded and re-uploaded the trailer instead of the official trailer. I, that does bother me. And I, I would rather watch the official trailer, but also these channels with like, which get millions of views make fake trailers. Like 
Doctor Strange 2 trailer. It doesn't exist. I know it doesn't exist. I see it and like I'm still compelled to click on it to prove to myself that I knew it didn't exist. And then I rage watch a few minutes of it and I'm like, how could you do this? But then I realized like in tech, there are a bunch of thumbnails that say like, Apple's December event. There is no Apple December event. You do know that you rewarded them by I know. clicking on it. You know that, right? But I wanted you to prove that I was right. But you, 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 you're part of the problem. No! <laughs> What's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Ted Lasso, the coach. Ah, it's not happening. you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah, I do, yes. I do know who you're I can't use the about. language that he would use if he were here right now. You could, but we'd have to bleep it we'd out. We'd have to bleep it out. Yeah. Anyway, so like, yeah, it, it totally works, but I think that there's, I think that credibility, trust, and audience connection is a currency that you build up over time and that you can spend when you have to, but it's very easy to spend way too much of it and very hard to earn it back. Yeah. So we do have a bonus segment coming up if you're watching us on Nebula. If you're not watching us on Nebula, you can just go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk, sign up. It's like uh, less than, was it less than 15 bucks a, a year? A yeah. year. A year. Uh, and you could be watching Georgia forcing me to eat, I don't know, chili chips and hot wings, but also like really good conversations about things that don't always involve uh, technology. So again, if you if you are on Nebula, just keep watching. If you're not, Georgia, where can we find more about you? Uh, you can check me out on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Georgia Dow. And on Twitter, it's at Georgia underscore Dow. And what's your latest video? Oh, and the latest video that I'm going to be doing, which I'm filming today, is going to be on uh, robots and our fear of robots. Oh, and, oh uh, those yeah. creepy zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those scare the love. Like, I, I was going to say the life out of me, but it's the, more than my life. We're going to be talking about the psychology of it. Okay, the psych of why I'm so afraid. Yes. I can't wait to find out. I'm yes. getting chills just thinking yes. about them because they are going to pull my spine right up yes. to my body one exactly. day. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, and what was the last one you did? Oh, I did Dune. Oh, Dune. I nice. did Dune. I love that. Yes. Fear and is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. Oh, I, love, I love that. I have to say, I, I really enjoyed this video. I enjoyed doing it, and I thought that the content was good. I'm biased because it's my video. But I really liked it. I've done so many talks on fear and Was it the whole litany against fear? It was, it was the entire scene oh, with the, the box. The, the Gom Jabbar. Oh, very nice. One of my favorite scenes in all of Dune. I can't wait. Um, and if you want to watch more of my videos, you can find them at youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie or just at Renee Ritchie on Twitter. Stay tuned for the bonus segment.